While your day is winding down, they're just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day. From local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard. To listen. And where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. Welcome. Welcome to South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus Farrow. Chris will be back tomorrow. We've got a good show tomorrow, too. We have uh, State Rep Tony Cabral joining us in the first hour. Um, but this uh, this show is going to be really good as well. We have uh, Veronique Greenwood from uh, from the Boston Globe, a reporter from the Boston Globe. She's going to join us at 9 to talk about a story on plastics. We were talking a little bit about knit bands and plastic container bands and things like that. So I thought it would be interesting to have um, Veronique from the Globe uh, to talk about... Um, talk about uh, her, her piece on plastics. It's really interesting stuff. That is going to be at 9 o'clock. But in the se- uh, 7 o'clock hour, um, for the first half hour of the program, we're going to be joined uh, by uh, Jim O'Brien. He is a um, he's running for school committee, and uh, here he is. Hello. Hello, sir. First off, I'd like to thank you for your, having me on your show this evening. Um, to the listeners, uh, my name is Jim O'Brien. I'm the retired school superintendent from Great New Bedford Vocational Technical High School, where I was a graduate of and spent my entire career teaching and coaching and doing right by kids. Uh, the reason I'm very eager and interested in getting back on the old Rochester Regional School Committee, I, I had nine years of uh, giving back to the school system early, earlier in my teaching career. Um, Oh, Rochester is not immune to all the uncertainties in the education world in our country where uh, politics have uh, trickled down into all school systems. And I'd love to bring my 35-plus years in education to bring realistic expectation uh, for the school system. I have a deep respect for the teachers, staff, uh, faculty, parents, and students. And I'm eager to work with, not against others, on the school committee and throughout the community. Uh, The school system needs solutions. They need solutions to many of the most recent concerns that have been on social, people are well aware, on social media and uh, radio broadcasts. Um, I look forward to an open discussion with Marcus on a lot of the issues and why I'm the best candidate uh, for the seat representing the town of Rochester. So the town, I mean, really school committee uh, races have become such a hot issue here. I I had the candidates for Fairhaven School Committee on. I had the candidates for Dartmouth School Committee on. And they've become uh, such a cultural hotbed. Um, And uh, it's, I think, as as politically charged at Fairhaven, not so much, but Dartmouth was for sure. As politically charged as Dartmouth was, it seems like the um, Tri-Town uh, School Committee races are even more so. Uh, what's your opinion on sort of the this new wave of um, sort of, uh, I guess, social, I, I, s- social panic surrounding school committee races? 
uh, I think the panic um, trickles through the school system and then throughout the community, and it depends on it depends on what side of the fence we're talking about. You, you have the strong left with beliefs, and you have the strong right with their beliefs, and feeling that uh, each side's philosophy on what should or shouldn't be taught in education has has caused uh, a narrow focus on the whole structure of the school community and the school culture in itself. So we're speaking with Jim O'Brien, a former superintendent and candidate for Rochester, uh, Old Rochester School Committee. He's running in Rochester. So just so um, I, I'm, I'm fairly familiar with the process. You've helped me from, uh, familiarize me with the process. Each town sends their representative for the Old Rochester School Committee. Is that correct? Yeah. There are representatives from the town of Rochester, Marion, and Mattapoiset for the region, and that is the seat I'm uh, vying for, and it's representatives from each town. Uh, the region school committee represents the high school and the middle school students. And then there's other school committee races dealing with uh, the elementary of Marion, Mattapoiset, and Rochester. One of the things that came up in in um, in the old uh, in old Rochester in the old Rochester school committee meetings was this topic of book banning. There was a uh, movement by members on the school committee to try to ban uh, certain books dealing with LGBTQ issues, dealing with racial issues um, in the in the school library. Uh, I know ultimately um, there was those those uh, f- as far as the vote went those failed um, and uh, can't get brought up for another three years. But the issue will get brought up again, uh, undoubtedly, and it'll continue to get brought up uh, as this um, as this sort of movement continues. So, what's your position on the um, book banning conversation? That's a great question. Um all the people running for office have their own philosophies and beliefs on the book banning situation itself. To get prepared for running for the school committee seat, I took the time and attended roughly four or five of the monthly meetings at the regional school committee meeting where um, my heart goes out to the school committee members and the superintendent and his administrative team because of very, at times, Jerry Springer-like uh, atmosphere where um, both sides, um, during public comment and not during public comment, it would be people outspoken on what their beliefs, specifically on the agenda item dealing with the books. Since then, the superintendent director has methodically put the systems in place and had a subcommittee vet all the books in question by people's request. And the head librarian, along with that subcommittee, um, the books are a resource in the library. And like you said, Marcus, it's three years uh, till the books can be reassessed. But that, that isn't enough 
for for some of the people within the community and maybe a, a few of the school committee members, one in particular. But my philosophy on a handful of the books, if they were embedded in the curriculum, say, phys ed, history, math, uh, all the general education courses, that would be one thing. These books are a resource in the library under the watchful eye of the, of the librarian. Parents have concerns of uh, the pornography and uh, graphic pictures in a handful of the books. Um, those books, if a parent so desires not to have the student read that book, those books are red flagged and the librarian will not allow their son or daughter to read the book. With that note, I wanted to be prepared for my campaign. And I've called a handful of administrators up at the region, middle and high school. And these books in question have barely been taken out of the library once mm-hmm. in the school year. If I could be so bold and honest, if if not in the library, the children, middle school or high school, or younger for that matter, will find it on social media. Right. The mindset is, is if, if it's in the arena or within the school community, the school community has the profess, trained professionals and guidance counselors and adjustment counselors for those students who seek out the assistance that they need. Now, the dark side to all of this, if these books can save one life, one student, from committing the act of suicide, then they've done their job. Yeah. Too many times in my career, we've had a handful amount to too many students commit suicide while students being students at Great New Bedford Vocational. And we have this systems in play with adjustment counselors and guidance counselors um, like I mentioned to you before the show, there are students that go to a crisis counselor every day from various school systems. Yeah. If we go to the program just in Dartmouth alone, those beds are full 24-7. Right. There isn't enough help for these kids. Right. And that would be uh, my philosophy on that piece. I would like to read uh, something that was part of our campaign. Well, and I just I just okay. want to sort of encapsulate that a little bit. So what you're saying is basically, you know, um, LGBTQ youth are statistically at a much higher light up, uh, much higher risk of suicide than um, uh, kids that aren't members of that of that group. And it's Partly, and it's actually mostly due to the fact, it's entirely due to the fact that they found it's the stigmatization of it. And so what you're saying is some of these books, um, and if, you know, their parents don't want them to read it, they have the discretion to, to, to allow that, to disallow it. Some of those books can help those students have a better understanding and a better acceptance of their, um, you know, being a member of the LGBTQ community. Is that more or less correct? More or less correct. And, you know, if I could quote Jordy Picote, there's absolutely nothing wrong with a parent deciding a certain book is not right for their child. There's a colossal problem with a parent deciding that 
Therefore, no child should be allowed to read that book. Yeah. My personal beliefs don't matter. I will tell you what matters most. With all my different roles during my career in education, we unfortunately face many suicides. Um, and I still hold, hold my, I hold my hat to this. If the resources can save the life of one child, then they've done their job. And if it becomes a problem in the library or the media specialist's uh, authority, then she will reach out to the appropriate administrative team and make the appropriate assessments of what the plus minus to everything is. Right. So we're speaking with Jim O'Brien. He's a former school superintendent, and uh, he is running for Old Rochester uh, Regional School Committee. He's running to be the representative from Rochester. So there's been a lot. You wanted to read a statement, and you said, is that, that, that just that a quote from Jody Capulta? I just wanted to read that quote. Okay. That's so from uh, Jody Capulta, uh, Jody Capulta, uh, she's a famous, uh, Pickholt, she's a famous author. Um, I think a lot of people are familiar with her. So, um, so... One of the th- other things that's talked about sort of in the same vein is the um, is the this sort of governance of the curriculum uh, to try to uh, you know the, 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 a lot of the panic is around what's what, what people are calling CRT right critical critical race theory and they're saying you know it's engineering students to have a certain political opinion on race and it's a leftist opinion right it's trying to make white kids feel guilty about being white um and so there's oh there's been i think an attempt to sort of rein in education on certain racial issues um and the history of our country as it relates to race um what's your what's your position on that given your years of experience as an educator well the critical race theory and the it's it's the side is trying to package it all together, whether it be the book ban or DEI and sex education in schools. Um, a forward thinker needs to understand that the best environment for a, a student to learn is where they feel welcoming. Mm-hmm. We can't bottle up it into um, the perfect soldier or the perfect... There are students that are, have more creativity than one another, more more athletic, more interest in the drama club, uh, lost somewhere in the middle. But you, we we want to be a package or a community for all. And if 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 some of the people are really concerned, there's other options in schools, whether it be private school, and whether it be another institution but what's going on at old rochester is a lot that's going on at schools like dartmouth uh, and and others like just down the street is old colony i'm sure old colony has a handful of these books on the shelves in school you know at great new bedford Vogue tech we we had an equity diversity committee both with the adults and the student learners but since i've retired uh superintendent watson has put in place uh uh, director of um, community and family engagement, along with being, along with being the, the coordinator of diversity, equity, and inclusion, so that so that a vein off of that is they created what they call a possible survey, so that parents 
can streamline any and all concerns to one area or one person without the school to answer questions that go beyond the day-to-day curriculum and day-to-day concerns in an academic or vocational program. What's tough for smaller school systems like the old Rochester's Dartmouth case, or for Haven for that matter, is that do you have enough manpower or resources to do so? So what it probably veins out is it becomes another administrator's responsibility, but we can't put a blind eye to it. Diversity, equity, and inclusion are not new concepts in school. They are part of what schools are. So we're speaking with Jim O'Brien. He's a um, he's a, a candidate for uh, Old Rochester School Committee um, in the, representing, going to represent Rochester. So if you're a voter in Rochester, he is a candidate on the ballot uh, in that town. So you uh, obviously working in the school system, being the superintendent, you have a you have a uh, you have you bring you bring that perspective from the school committee. Um, you've obviously worked with school committees during your time as the superintendent. Um, what's important about bringing that? What, what, how, how, uh, can you just sort of highlight the importance of a school committee administrator and school committee educator relationship? A school committee administrator relationship and a school committee educator relationship, they could be considered one and the same. But the first relationship that is the utmost important is the relationship and loyalty to the superintendent director. Um, I had many bosses as the superintendent director at Graydon Bedford Vocational. And if there were many problems and many concerns, but I was available, much like most superintendents, seven days a week, 24-7. And whether it be a cup of coffee or a, a private meeting with one of the school committee members or a phone call or going to their home and have a conversation about a major issue or concern they might have. Um, If a school committee member goes rogue or might go on social media or or call others within the school, the the lines of communication fail. And then um, it seems how school committee members always do not agree on all the issues the same, but they've got to work together at the table and be a, that conduit between the faculty and staff, the administrator, the superintendent director, the community, and the parents. If, 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 if the community doesn't have faith in the lines of communication, nothing positive is going to exist. Speaking with Jim O'Brien, he's a candidate for Old Rochester School Committee. Um, so... Is there, is there anything in particular? I know there's obviously the concerns um, of all of this sort of um, these social concerns that some are raising in in these these issues that are being brought up that are really sweeping across the country. The cultural stuff, right? Is there anything in particular, maybe outside of that, you think needs to be improved upon at the old in the uh, old Rochester school system? Um, there are some. There are major concerns with all school system. I'm going to give you an example beyond Old Rochester. Uh, Later today uh, on the news, you have uh, Brockton Public School Systems. Uh, They're going to be in an $18 million deficit and a reduction of force of 130 educators. That's a telltale sign of where 
most educational school systems are. Uh, Old Rochester has to be fiscally solvent in many areas. There's an increase in the special education budget. There's an increase in cost increase in medical insurance to all faculty and staff. There's an, an increase in where they're going to find the resources to provide the necessary uh, areas of adjustment counselors and guidance counselors and the resources to be able to teach to the whole child, whether it be the social-emotional piece or, or the academic areas. Um, Old Rochester Regional High School has a tremendous athletic program, drama club program, music, and jazz. But Old Rochester's student activities and athletic fees uh, per student and per family is probably the highest in southeastern Mass. I would love to work with the superintendent and his team's uh, team of administrators to work with town government to use every, every bang for the buck necessary for the kids. Speaking with Jim O'Brien, he's a candidate for Old Rochester School Committee. Um, is there anything else that we might have missed during this conversation that you think is important to bring up? Win or lose, I know that I've, I've given it my best shot in the last six, seven months. I asked that, I asked that the people within the town of Rochester go out and vote. Um, we need parents to continually get involved for what's best for their students. And whether I win or lose, I just want a solid school committee with the administrative team to make sure that the policies, the resources, and what is required under governance of the Department of Elementary Secondary Ed yeah. is to continue the great things going on at Old Rochester. That that's it in a nutshell. It is it is rated the top ten percent of the state of schools. People dream to move into the tri town in order for their son or daughter to to receive the best education that I know of in the area. Jim O'Brien, uh, candidate for Old Rochester uh, School Committee. Uh, where can people go to learn more about your campaign? Um. On social uh, media, um, there's a campaign account of Vote Jim O'Brien. Um, the election is next Wednesday yep. from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Jim, thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate your time um, and look forward to having you back, uh, win or lose, to talk about these, uh, these important issues. Thank you. Thanks. We're going to take a break. We'll be back. Welcome back to South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus Farrow. That was Jim O'Brien. He's the candidate for Old, Ro uh, Old Rochester School Committee from the Rochester District. So um, if you're uh, in the Tri-Town, apparently there is a, a lecture in Mattapoise tonight. I, so the way it works is basically Mary and Rochester Mattapoise, each, each send representatives from the school committee. Jim O'Brien is running to be the, one of the Rochester representatives. Uh, I know Joe Pius had been on Barry's show uh, fairly recently. Um, so we obviously want a, an opportunity to get some, the candidates on um, to talk about this race. It's, you know, really important. We always talk about it here. It's sort of the, 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 the philosophy behind the programming here at WBSM where the, you know, the local races are the ones that matter. The local 
issues are the ones that matter the most, the ones that impact your day-to-day life the most, who sits on your school committee, who sits on your select board, your city council, your, who sits in the mayor's office um, is typically who's going to have the most impact on your day-to-day life. So happy to have Jim O'Brien in uh, to talk about his um, experience and his uh, candidacy for Old Rochester, uh, for Old Rochester School Committee, former superintendent and superintendent uh, of uh, Old Rochester School System and superintendent director of the um, Greater New Bedford Volk uh, Regional as well. So um, I think a deep breadth of experience um, should be a, a good race between him and Joe Pius. And again, that, that race is next week. I think he said Wednesday, 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. So you're going to want to get out there and vote. Uh, it's always important that you vote in your local elections. Towns are typically better than cities in terms of turnout. I know Fairhaven uh, has been better than, I mean, not all towns. I know Fairhaven's been pretty decent, uh, better, uh, comparatively speaking, better than New Bedford. And I think actually a little better than Dartmouth as well. So, um, but you want to get out and vote on um, next Wednesday in that election. And if you're a voter in Mattapoisett and uh, the, the elections today, you still have some time. Polls close at eight. So you still have some time. You have about 25 minutes to get out there and get into that um and uh, get to the polls and, and vote for your candidates for office. Again, it's really important, so we hope you do. 508-996-0500 is how you can join me this evening. I'm here till 10 o'clock. Um, again, we've got Boston Globe reporter, Boston Globe science reporter joining us at 9. Um, she's going to talk about her um, her uh, piece on uh, you know the environmental um, impact of, of, of the use of plastic in general. We talked a lot about knit bands. We've talked about that before here in South Coast Night and on other programs here at WBSM. So I wanted to ask her about that as well. There's been knit bands being implemented here in Fairhaven. I know Wareham took one up not too long ago. I don't know if they passed it. And Brewster down the Cape just passed a knit band. And there are other towns throughout the Commonwealth as well. It seems to be a pretty popular topic and mostly one that is uh, brought forward on environmental um environmental grounds environmental protection conservation grounds so uh we're gonna we're gonna be talking uh about that in the nine o'clock hour so you're gonna want to stay tuned to that but until then uh it's just you and me at 508-996-0500 that's how you can join us again tomorrow tony cabral is going to be joining us um at uh at seven uh we're going to talk you know i I talked to chris hendricks um, we talked to Chris Markey about some issues. Uh, I want to ask Tony about the MBTA lawsuit. I know he had a different opinion on it than the other members of the delegation. I also wanted to ask him about some of the budget wins he secured uh, for uh, for New Bedford. We talked to Chris Hendricks about the earmarks he had gotten in the uh, in the House budget. And so I want to talk to Tony about the earmarks he got as well, uh, what money he got and where it's going and how it's going to help people of greater New Bedford. Um, so looking forward to that. And then Friday, Thursday, Jess Machado is covering for uh, Chris and me. And um, uh, Friday we'll be back. Uh, we may have a, we may have a, a special guest, but I know we're definitely going to have um, city councilor at large. Ian Abreu is going to join us at seven to react to um, the mayor Mitchell's budget proposal. Mayor Mitchell is uh, tomorrow proposing his budget in the city council chambers. So 
the way it usually works is uh, <coughs> every year, every year the mayor is escorted to the podium by two city councilors. And it's an age-old tradition. They, they're escorted, escorted to the podium by two city councilors. They, uh, the, uh, then the mayor presents the budget to the city council. And then the city council then takes the, you know, uh, takes his budget proposal and votes on, you know, goes to the budget hearings, um, the various budget hearings, right? Meets with department heads, talks about what's needed, what might not be needed, and then uh, proposes cuts or don't or doesn't propose cuts to certain departments um, in uh, in the city. So Ian will be joining us on Friday to talk about that. We're looking forward to hearing from Ian. And um, until then, we're, we're joined by you at 508-996-0500. That's how you can get on the program this evening. We can also take your messages on the WBSM app chat. Again, I want to thank Jim O'Brien for coming in and joining me this evening here on South Coast on South Coast tonight. Um, so what I think I want to do now is I th- we're nearing the time for our break. So I'm going to take that break. Um, I'm going to take that break and then we'll get to your calls at 508-996-0500. We'll get to your app chat messages if you want to send in a message on the WBSM app chat. Again, I'm here till 10 and I'm here with you. So stay tuned and join us. Join the conversation. 1420 WBSM, where freedom of speech lives. To some people, the sound of a baby babbling doesn't mean much. But that's not necessarily true. By six months, they're combining vowels and consonants. By nine months, they're trying out different kinds of sounds. And by 12 months, their babbling is beginning to take on some meaning. Especially if there's no babbling at all. Little to no babbling by 12 months or later is just one of the possible signs of autism in children. Early screening and intervention can make a lifetime of difference and unlock a world of possibilities. Take the first step at AutismSpeaks.org. Did you know that when you make time to do three simple things each day with your children, talking, reading, and singing, you're helping to shape and strengthen their brains for the years to come? I love to look at the pictures in a book and notice little details about the characters. I pause along the way to ask my child to wonder about how they might feel. When you ask open-ended questions like, what do you notice? Or what do you think will happen next? You're inviting them to be curious. All these rich conversations help develop both their vocabularies and their thinking skills. And it's a great way for you and your child to bond and discover the world together. As a father, helping my child is the most important thing to me. Each of us has the power to create a strong start for our children by talking, reading, and singing with them from the moment they're born and help them to enter school ready to learn and succeed in life. Visit TalkingIsTeaching.org for free tips, resources, and ideas on how to transform everyday moments into magical moments for learning. One in four Americans have a disability. I'm one of them. 
I'm also a working mom who cares deeply about making sure every child with a disability thrives by getting their access needs met. We've got a trusted ally by our side. Easter Seals provides children and families the foundation for lifelong success through early learning programs, skills training, and prep for college and career. That's my Easter Seals. Make it yours. Join us at EasterSeals.com. This time next week, I'll be sick in bed with West Nile virus. Thanks to a mosquito bite right in front of my house. In eight minutes, my daughter will be in an ambulance having an asthma attack triggered by cockroaches. I'm going to be bitten by a tick today. I won't even know it until Lyme disease turns my life upside down. Learn how to protect your family at pestworld.org. A public service message from the National Pest Management Association and the CDC. Veterans and their families are popular targets for financial fraud. Scammers may try to defraud you through misleading commercials, emails, texts, cold calls, or online ads. They may even pose as someone from VA or an organization providing discounts on fees for services. But VA will never charge you for processing a claim. Do not provide your personal information to anyone other than a VA-accredited representative. To find a representative near you, visit va.gov forward slash find dash rep. Transitioning out of the military, it's difficult. Just about everything around you changes. I would get phone calls that brothers were dying, some of them to suicide. And I'd found myself in another cold cemetery. And I started to wonder if I was next. It's a struggle to know that you're facing challenges but not be ready to face them. Sleep doesn't come easy. And when it comes, it doesn't last long. You're tired all the time. I didn't reach out for that help, but thank God my wife did. She got me registered for Wounded Warrior Project, talking to somebody that would listen to me and understood my story, helped me realize that it was time to change. There's a new fight, there's a new mission, and that's something I am eternally grateful for. See how we help warriors combat stigma at woundedwarriorproject.org slash combat stigma. Real-time reaction to everything that happens after the sun goes down. Ain't going down till the sun comes up. South Coast Tonight with Marcus and Chris is on WBSM. And we're back. Welcome back to South Coast Tonight. 508-996-0500 is how you can join. We can also take your messages on the WBSM app chat. We got a... Um, we got a, um, message from a member in the audience, uh, really tired of politics in schools. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. I, I agree. The thing is, is that schools are, it, it, in a lot of ways, it's an inherently political endeavor because, you know, it's governed by an elected board, right? That sets the policy for schools like in in most cities the mayor is the chair in most cities like smaller cities the mayor is the chair of the school committee like in new bedford like in fall river attleboro oddly enough does not have the mayor does not sit in the school committee but new bedford and fall river i know the mayor is the chair by default uh of the school committee, which I think makes a lot of sense. So there's always going to be, I think, a political aspect to it. But this, like, f- to to be frank, I, I think this, this new movement, you know, with the Massachusetts Family Institute and with, like, social conservatives uh, sort of trying to 
make school committees a new battleground. It's been effective in some areas. You saw Glenn Youngkin in, in Virginia, Republican. I mean, he ran against a bad candidate. He basically ran against a bad candidate in Terry McAuliffe. But um, you saw you saw that really start to metastasize there. And um, it's it's been a hot-button issue just in local school committee races all across uh, the Commonwealth. Uh, you see what's happened, I think, in East Hampton um, and other areas uh, where, you know, you've had school committee members resigning. You've had some uh, taking heat. There's book bannings and all of that. It's It's, you know... These and these issues, I think, are pretty much made from whole cloth. And I think a lot of in a lot of areas, too, it's sort of a um, it's a it's a reframing of the the gay panic, which conservatives were able to effectively campaign on for a long time. Like Bush, George Bush, uh, his campaign team had uh, Karl Rove in particular in 2004 had to success um, put a lot of uh, ballot referendums on states that they needed to win, put gay marriage ballot referendums on to try to inspire social conservatives to get to the polls and vote and then, you know, vote up the ticket to George Bush, right? And so they've had a lot of success. I mean, Dick Cheney, who has a daughter who's gay, had... No, you know, despite having a daughter who's gay, knew that he could not, he had to allow George Bush to, you know, sort of um, uh, deliver that rhetoric, right, on the sort of moral panic around LGBTQ issues at the time. Now, you know, that's think says a lot about Dick Cheney and his, you know, might say a lot about Dick Cheney and his commitment to, you know, some of where his priorities are but nevertheless it is an issue that they've had success with that they have absolutely lost right there were the gay marriage cases in 2013 in 2015 right and then there were um the recent decision um i forget the exact name of it but you basically had uh they had said the civil rights act does apply to um does apply to LGBTQ um, people, right? In terms, of, uh, in terms of employment discrimination. So, and not only that, public opinion has dramatically shifted towards being accepting, uh, rightfully so, of um, LGBTQ, the LGBTQ community, and rights for the LGBTQ community. So, the conservatives, knowing that they can't really govern on any real policy, um, have to rephrase a lot of these social reframe a lot of these social panics uh so that they can um scare people into staying home uh or staying when i say staying home staying in their uh, ideological home and meaning voting for them that's all this really is i think is a retread of the 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 conservative panic around lgbtq issues but now it's well, transgenders, right? Members of, you know, transgender and uh, they're trying to make students gay and they're trying to make them transgender and they're trying to do this in bathrooms and all of that. That's all this really is, is a reframe, is, is a retreading of those same social issues that they had success on. 
And so, and I think they've been effectively, in some ways have been effectively able to do that in, in terms of keeping their base. I will say, politically, in terms of their electoral success, I don't think it has been very good. I don't think that has shown to be successful in terms of winning elections, but it has been uh, broadly across the country. Of course, it's been successful in some areas. I just pointed out Virginia. But broadly, I think you look at the results of the midterms where the Republicans should have had a clean sweep of both chambers. They lost uh, the Senate. They They failed to maintain control of the Senate, and they have the narrowest, they have the narrowest um, lead in the uh, the narrowest majority in the House in like a century, right? So I don't think it's been met with a lot of electoral success, but in terms of maintaining a base, maintaining a donor base and maintaining a voting base that will keep them competitive, sure. It's, or, or I shouldn't say even competitive, plausible, sure. But I would say in the long run, it has hurt them. Locally, I think that so far, and we'll see how the results of this election go, so far, these issues have not been successful. The two candidates that ran on more social conservatism in Dartmouth, right, uh, the book banning issues and all of that, they didn't win. So, um, listen, I got to see a call on the line. Uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a break, and we'll, we'll, we'll take your calls when we get back. <laughs> Welcome back. Let's go to the phones. Good evening. Hello. Hello. Tell you what, call back in the nine, uh, eight o'clock hour. Here till I'm here till ten. We've got a guest at nine, but um, call me in the eight o'clock hour if you weren't able to get through. Um, we'll take some more app chat messages. I know we had gotten some app chat messages. Um, I know we had gotten some app chat messages fairly. Um, in the last few minutes where we've gotten some messages from the audience. So we'll, we'll take those in the nine, uh, in the eight o'clock hour. Cause we're nearing the end. And, uh, you know, I'd like to, to, you to have the opportunity to be able to, um, you know, get your word. in if you want to get your word in on the conversation, whether it be this or really anything that you'd like to, that you'd like to bring up to us here on, uh, South coast tonight. So, yeah. Oh, well, it's here now. Good evening. Hello. Marcus. Oh, okay. I got it. Sorry. The phone The phone <laughs> was off. The phone button was off. That's all right. What's up? Hey, um, you want me to call back in the 8, eight o'clock hour? Is that easier for you? Yeah, it'd probably be better. You only got a minute and yeah. a half minute. So, yeah, yeah, call me back then. Yeah. Um. Yeah, just give me a call back in the, in the 8 o'clock hour. I'll be here. Uh, again, open phone lines, whatever you want to discuss at 508-996-0500. That's how you can get on the program. We could take your messages on the app chat too. I know we've gotten some app chat messages that came in as well, so we can read those. Um, I did get one from Dennis in Fairhaven. Uh, what's your finals pick? And do you think Boston will win the series in five? Uh, Boston's really heavily favored, but Jimmy Butler has always uh, found a way to stretch a series where he's heavily favored anyway. That game's tomorrow. Uh, stretch a series where he's heavily favored anyway. Um, so, I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. Five wouldn't surprise me, but I, I would say six. Just because of the play. Just, I, I just feel like Jimmy Butler's always able to stretch a series, even if he's the underdog. I think of the Lakers, when they played the Lakers in the finals in 2020, um, they were heavy underdogs. They were significantly outmanned, but he, you know, always found a way to uh, will his team to a victory. So I'm going to say in six, um, but there,